this afternoon. We're going to start off a new series today. It's, uh, it's called Relationship Blessings. Everybody say Relationship Blessings. One of the things early on as a believer that I didn't realize, you know, I, I, I am a student of the Word. I love the Word of God. Uh, I love Scripture, and I love to teach Bible. But one of the things early on that I didn't get or didn't understand was that relationships is the key to forming a healthy, long-lasting life with anybody, not just your spouse. So what I want to talk to you about in this series that we're beginning today is uh, I want to focus today on, on marriages, but singles, I'm talking to you too. Singles, those that, that are contemplating getting married again, maybe, maybe you're widowed here today and you can relate to some of what I'm going to talk to you about. Um, so again, this is for everybody. Uh, how many are familiar with the five love languages? It's a, it's a Christian a book that has come out. Well, ever since I got back from Mexico, I look at the five love languages a little bit differently. Let's look at this. Words of affirmation. Your tacos are delicious. Okay? Because here's here, let me stop by saying this. Every one of you have a love language, and your spouse will tell you right away what it is. Most of us have either words of affirmation, acts of service, meaning that we need these things. That's what makes us tick. That's what makes us feel loved. Third one, receiving gifts. Okay, I know that's, that's my sister-in-law's language right back there. Quality time. And then the last one is physical touch. There's the touchy people that love that hug, love holding hands, and so forth. So ever since we got back from Mexico, words of affirmation, your tacos are delicious, Anna. You know, I made you tacos, acts of service, receiving gifts. Here's a taco quality time. Let's go out for tacos together. And then physical touch. Let me hold you like a taco. <laughs> right. So every one of you, I don't care how old you are, how young you are. You fit one of these groups. How many can relate to that right now? How many see yourself up there in one of those? I'm not talking about the tacos, but the actual five love languages. You know what the importance of that is? And you should get the book. Look up five love languages. Get the book. But the reality is, when you can understand what your spouse's love language is, that will help you better know how to manage that relationship because uh, how many men have or women have said oh he doesn't understand me he doesn't get me or I don't get her I don't know where she's coming from well it's because you don't understand what their love language is oftentimes women want quality time men they want quality time they don't want just your time they want quality time they don't want you Sitting in front of the TV watching Monday Night Football and, and her on the couch. That's not quality time, man. And, and so you got to figure out what is it that she or what is it that he needs to feel loved. And when you discover that, you'll discover that you will begin to have relationship blessings in your life. And that not only goes for your married or your spouse, your partner, but it goes for any type of relationship Amen. at work. It goes for your coworkers, your family, your friends. Uh, I, I, I can guarantee you right now as you read these five love languages, you think of people right now automatically, not just your spouse. It could be a brother or a sister. 
It could be a, a relative that you're thinking of, a coworker that you're thinking of. Oh yeah, that person needs acts of service. That's what makes them feel loved. That's my wife's love language. Anytime I, I do acts of service for her, oh, she feels loved. If I wash dishes, I'm the king of the world right there. If I, if I vacuum, if I do anything like that, um, it's just amazing. So I know that, and, and it's up to each of us to discover that. Amen? Amen? So I want to start today with one word, first of all. Covenant. Everybody say covenant. 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 Let me read you, or let me, let me tell you a story about a couple that went to uh, counseling, and the, uh, the man didn't want to go, but they went for marriage counseling, and they go and see a pastor for biblical counseling, and, and they're there, and the pastor's beginning to, you know, get, get the information from both of them, and the man just flat out says, hey, look, I don't want to be here. She wants to be here. And, uh, and then he, he, he all of a sudden, he, he goes, and I don't want to be here, but let me ask you, do you have a... Do you have programs for, for uh, drug dependency, you know, like an NA type of program or AA, that type of thing? Uh, because I have a brother who's, who's all messed up. And the woman stops him right there and says to the pastor, you know, this man, my husband, has spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars trying to get him help, his brother. He's helped him over and over and over again. And... Um, and the pastor says, well, yes, we do have a program like that. And uh, the pastor looks at the gentleman and says, well, tell me, how come you're willing to invest that time in your brother, but you're not willing to invest that time for your wife? And he looked at the pastor and he said, well, he's my blood. He's my, he's my blood. And the, and the pastor looked at him and said, you know what you're saying is that you're in covenant with your brother, but you're not in covenant with your spouse. Now, that's a sad day if that happens to you and I, that we are not in covenant with our spouse, but rather we'd, we'd rather be in covenant with our siblings. You, you've heard the term, blood is thicker than water. And, and while we believe that, you know, we, we, we fight for that sometimes. But let me tell you, and let me remind you again, your spouse is the most important thing in your life. Amen. Next to Almighty God. Let me remind you that it's not your brother. It's not your sister. It's not your children. Oh, I may have burst somebody's bubble right there. It's not your children. It's your spouse. Amen. Amen. Let, me, let me remind you of God's order. God, your spouse, your children. And when we flip that upside down, when we put our spouse, then God, or our children, then God, things get out of order. Why do you, see, why do you think we have the troubles we have in this world? They don't follow that biblical pattern. They don't follow it. Let me, let me start with our sermon text. If I could just have you stand just briefly. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. And it's on your outline as well. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. And this is uh, where the Lord is creating Eve. So verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, 
and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just pray right now, Father, that you would give us anointing to hear your word. Give us anointing to hear it, to process it, to understand it, to apply it to our relationships, to our marriages, Lord. We pray that, Father, in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. So far, so good? All right. Everybody say again, covenant. Covenant. We can't leave today without you having a proper understanding of what that word means. Covenant. Covenant. Covenant, the actual word means to cut. Means to cut, to slice. Means I will hurt, I will die for you. Ever said, said this to somebody, I would die for you? Maybe you've told your spouse that. I would die for you. I would take a bullet for you. I would do this for you. Hopefully you've, you've said that to your spouse. That's the ultimate in terms of love for one another. That is what a covenant is. That is what a marriage is supposed to mean. It, it, it's, it's not like the world says. In the world it says it's more like a contract. It's like, well, you've all heard of a prenuptial, right? Now... I'm not here to get in to the debate whether a prenuptial is biblical or not biblical. That's, that's a whole other story. But the point is here, most marriages nowadays, it's, well, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. If you take care of this, I'll do that. It's a contract is what it is. It's a contract. Never in God's word are we to enter into a contract with our spouse. It's a covenant. Amen. Say that word again with me. Covenant. See, the world doesn't honor marriages anymore. Amen. How many realize that? It's not like it used to be in, in grandma's time. You know, the world changes. The world has evolved. I get that. But the world doesn't honor marriages. The Bible teaches that we are to honor, to serve one another, to serve our, our spouse in covenant, in good times and in bad times. Yes. But our, our world teaches, well... It's a bad time right now. I am out right now. See you later. Bye, Felicia. I'm out. That's what the world teaches, right? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of working at it. And, and I get it. Uh, divorce is, is real. In fact, it's impacted, I can guarantee you, every single family here. My family. It's impacted all of us. You can't escape that. But I want to tell you, I want to strongly tell you today, you have to fight for what you have. There will come an enemy attempting to destroy what you have. And if you don't believe me, just hang tight for another few years, maybe another, another, uh, another week. You never know. There will come a time where the enemy will attempt to destroy that relationship. But it is until death do us part, says the word of God. Let me read to you a few statistics. Six out of ten children live in a single parent household and, and increasing. Okay, I might say, might add. Children spend less than 30 minutes a week in a meaningful conversation with their moms. Let me repeat that again. Less than 30 minutes a week in a meaningful conversation with their mom. With their dads, less than 15 minutes per week. That's amazing. In a recent poll, 73% of people under the age of 45 considered life spent with the same person is unusual or unnecessary. 
Okay, see, viewpoints have switched, have changed dramatically over the years. Households of parents living together has quadrupled since 1970. Now, I realize we don't live in the same age as leave it to beaver, right? That was, that was not even real. That was fantasy land. Okay, let's get that straight. But, but did you hear that? Households of parents living together has quadrupled since 1970. Why is that? Why is that? Did, did we somehow discover something scientifically that, that tells us that we, are, that we live longer if we live together? No, it's quite the opposite. Your, your marriage will be blessed. You will be in a longer relationship when you don't live together and you do it God's way. Amen? Amen. See, God designed the marriage covenant. It, Pastor Rick didn't. This church didn't, didn't uh, institute it. But our world has tried to make rules of how to live with one another. And how's it working out? It's not. It's not working out. We're, we've learned that the world doesn't know how to make these rules up. Let, let me talk to you again about the covenant versus a contract. That's what the world tries to set up as a healthy marriage, is a contract. Again, too many marriages begin with, well, you know, if you, if you do this, I'll do that. You know, oftentimes it's the prenuptial. And oftentimes, if you come from a, a, a wealthy background, you may have to do that. I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it really shouldn't be the case. If you're really going to be transparent with one another. Amen? Amen. See, God will never break his covenant with you. When you first confessed your sins to him and, and got in relationship with him, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What makes you think you could just get up and leave your spouse? I thought you said it was forever. Okay, think about that. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13. It's not on your outline, but... It says the following, when you are faithless, he remains faithful. God remains faithful. Even when we have a tendency to want to give up. Don't raise your hand, but there will be times in your marriage you want to give up. There will be times in a relationship with a co-worker, with a, with a family friend. You just want to throw in the towel and say, they're not worth it. <coughs> well, let me remind you, you weren't worth it either. But Jesus died for you on the cross. Amen. Amen. Jesus died on the cross for each of you. God will never break his covenant with you. But in this world, divorce oftentimes is the first answer. They don't want to work at it. They don't want to learn to say, I forgive you. I mean, you could be here saying, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how many women they, they slept with or how many women she slept with or, or men or whatever. You don't know what happened. Well, there's this word called forgiveness. And it's, it's not easy. Everybody say, it's not easy. not easy. Because forgiveness takes a real man and a real woman. Jesus is willing to forgive you. I know it's extremely hard to forgive somebody when they've hurt you. But sometimes that's how, what God will challenge you to do is to forgive someone that's hurt you deeply. Anybody been hurt deeply? I mean, we all have at some point. If you haven't, it's coming. I'm just telling you right now, it's coming. Somebody will hurt you deeply. And at some point, you can choose to hold on to that. Or you can choose to say, I forgive you. I let it go. And now they no longer have that power 
over you Amen. when you can do that. Because by you allowing that unforgiveness to, to be inside of you and stirring inside of you, and every time you see that person, you're going, you just hold your breath and, and they better not come over here. They better not come over here, you know. When you hold on to that, it'll drive you crazy. Yes. You will not be in relationship blessing. And I'm not just talking about your spouse. Again, single people. This could be somebody that you dated and hurt you. This could be somebody that you work with. This could be a family member you're going to see at some barbecue sometime. Or some family function. You got to learn to get past that. Yes. You got to learn to get past that. Amen? Amen. God will never break his covenant with you. Amen. Now a contract. Again, covenant versus contract. A contract is this. It's, I have rights. I want to protect my rights and my responsibilities. That's what a contract is all about. Anybody here ever signed a contract? Yeah, you have. Anybody bought a house? You bought a car? You signed a contract. Who's protecting themselves? The person that sold you the house or the car. They're protecting their interests. And that's the way the world looks at a marriage is, well, I got to protect my interests. This is, this is mine. And, and, and that's yours. And uh, you just sign on the dotted line and we'll live happily ever after. No, you won't. Because you never gave up the thought that this is a contract. I have rights. I demand them. You know, we all have rights. And we should demand our rights in, in certain situations. But when it comes to a, a healthy, balanced relationship, I want to talk to you about that today. Those rights go out the window. Amen. And, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that this, this afternoon. How many here have been, or let's say this, if you've been married for 10, 15, 20 years, right here, raise your hand. 10, 15, or 20 years. 10, 15, or 20 years. Okay, right there. Awesome. Great job of sticking together, fighting through the thick and thin. 25 years here. It's, it's never just perfect all the time. Only when, you know, it is when you're in Cancun, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but uh, it, it, there's going to be tough times. How many here have been married 25 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years and more? Right here. These are examples to you. Examples, church. Those of you that are looking, that are single, if you want to know how to figure it out, talk to some of these people here. They figured it out. And if you, if you talk to them, they'll tell you it hasn't been easy it's been work. It means praying for your spouse. Yes. And I'm going to get into some of the things that we give up in a healthy biblical marriage. Point number one on your outline. Rights we give up. Whoa, pastor, wait, wait, wait. Rights I give up? That's a no. I'm not giving up any rights, number one. That may be what you just thought right now. So you already, see, you're already saying, wait a minute, I question this without even hearing what the Word of God says. Well, the number one thing we give up is priority. Everybody say priority. priority. And what I mean by that is that nothing comes before your spouse. Amen. Again, the order, God, your spouse. It's not God, then golfing. It's not God, and then hanging out with the boys. It's not God, and going fishing. It's not God and going shopping for a new handbag. I had to throw that in. Do you follow me? Yes. 
There's a priority now that God has established in your life in a healthy relationship. That is God, your spouse, and then your children, all these other things. The golfing, the fishing, the trips, whatever it may be. But your spouse is now your priority. If, if you don't like that, stay single. You'll save yourself a bunch of trouble right there. Stay single. And there's nothing wrong with being single. So, did you know that some people are called to be single? Just hang out with them. You'll know who they are. <laughs> You've probably met some of them. You probably met some people that, oh, this person's called to be single. And sometimes it may be your job to tell them that, okay? But, but it's all right to be single. Not everybody's cut out for marriage. Paul, the, the, the uh, apostle, was cut out to be single. He was called to a single life, never got married. Many great examples in the Word of God that were never married. And it's still all right today. Unfortunately, the world puts pressure on that everybody has to be in this perfect relationship. Otherwise, your life is not complete. That's baloney. Baloney. And I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for you. Yeah. He really does have a plan for you. Amen. And it's to be in covenant. But when we, when we walk in covenant, we give up our priority. We're no longer the, the, the it's not about me. It's about Anna now, my wife. It's about her. Yes. How can I please her? How can I take care of her? I could have said, Anna, uh, instead of Cancun, let's just take a walk down by the pier in Vallejo and, and walk the waterfront and we'll have a great time. Imagine that. <laughs> Woo! No, but we, we saved up and we, 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 we took a great vacation because I made her first. I made her first. Now, she did say, she says, well, yeah, I'd love to go. Can we take the girls? And I said, well, yeah, I love my girls. And I just thought, well, that trip just doubled. But because I want to make my wife happy, I said, yes, let's do it. And we had a great time. I'm glad the girls went. They had an amazing time. Now, Anna's first in my life. So if, if you call me and I'm on a date night, I'm not going to answer the phone. If you call, text me and I'm on a date night, my wife is my priority. I'm not going to text you back. Uh, in fact, I'm not even going to listen to it. Pick up the phone. We're our priority. Amen? Amen. Men, do you hear me? Yeah. I'm talking to the man now. Do you hear me? Yeah. And the women said, amen. <laughs> Some families, unfortunately, are child-centered. They put their kids up here rather than their spouse. You ever seen that? Yeah. And, and I know that exists. Not in our church. Not in our church, but I, I've seen that where children are put up here at the expense of their spouse. And I've also seen that in the church, pastors will put their church above their spouse. And, and they go on to have a great ministry, but their relationship is all messed up because of it. That's one of the things I've learned to do to balance that is I put my wife first because I want to be an example to each of you, to my children more importantly, and, and I have to do that because I've been, I've been called to do that. Amen? Yes. How many remember the word in the King James where it says, and the, two, and, the, and, the, and the woman shall cleave to her husband? Remember that word? Cleave? Do you know what that word means? Let, let me tell you the definition of that Hebrew word in English. It means to cling, to keep close, deeply attracted, held fast, joined together, stick together. Is that you today? Does that describe your relationship? Yeah. Or, or is it like, oh, here he comes. He just got home from work. What do I got to do? Let me go do something. Or 
Here she comes. Oh my goodness, she's going to want some money. She's going to want to spend this. She's going to, what does she want now? Is it like that? Or is it like, oh great, my spouse is here. Let me give her a big hug. Let me use one of the five love languages that I know can speak to her. Let me do that right now. Honey, I just washed the dishes for you. In fact, I even made dinner. Oh. Right, that's, my, that's where I live right there if I do any of that. Point number two, what do we give up? Rights we give up? We give up ownership. Say ownership. ownership. You are no longer the sole owner of your life. Well, Pastor Rick... I had this house before I met her. Well, guess what? Now it's your, your house. It's our house. It's not my house. Everybody say, our house. Our, house. our, car. our car. Our bank accounts. Our bank accounts. Okay, now you may call them what you want to call them. But, but the state of California will tell you it's our accounts, okay? If you don't believe me, the state of California will tell you no, it's not your account or his account. It's both your accounts. Amen. It got quiet there. Wow. It got quiet. Everything you share now, you share. And men, sometimes you may not get all the closet. You may get a quarter of the closet and she may get three quarters of it. That's okay. Amen. Build another closet. Build a man cave. But the point here is that we're doing life together. We're not doing it individually. We're doing it together. It's not about ownership. It's not about I had this house before I met her. I had a house before I met Anna. But the minute we got married, it became our house. Our house. I had a car. It became her car and my car. Our car. And, and so forth. Is that describing your relationship? And if you're single here today... Is that going to describe your relationship in the future? Because you're badly mistaken if you think, well, this was mine, and it's always going to be just mine. It's not going to be his, or it's not going to be hers. You've got to be on the same track that God laid out here. He said covenant. He said you're going to give up these rights to be in a covenant relationship. And that's the number two was ownership. It's no longer that you are the sole owner of your life. I want to read another scripture as I, as I finish that point. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 4. Not in your outline. But listen to these words, men. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. You know what the problem with that scripture is? For too many years, men have twisted that scripture. It says, you see what it says there in the, in the word, honey? It says that I own your body and you better, it's, it's, you know, you better pull it out right now, honey, because it's, it's a, you know, that's what men do with that scripture. They'll uh, twist that scripture, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying that you no longer are sole owner of your body. Your body is, belongs to your spouse and likewise in a fair covenant relationship. And um, I could go on and on and on about that, but your spouse belongs to you and you belong to your spouse. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Our third point of what do we give up, our rights we give up. Third one is privacy. Everybody say privacy. privacy. This is my life and I can hide certain things from my spouse if I want to. Ooh. Talk about, you're heading to divorce court right there. Let me just tell you right now, you're heading to divorce court. If, if, 
if you are sitting here today and you are married and there is something that you are hiding from your spouse, number one, it's going to come out eventually. Number two, you're walking on very dangerous ground. Number one, you shouldn't, you know, for example, I have a cell phone. My wife has complete access to that. Complete access. She can see anything on there that she wants. Texts, emails. Um, in fact, my daughters have access to it if they ask to do something on there. I normally don't share it, you know, because I get texts from church members and so forth. So, but my wife has complete access to, to my computer. It's not my computer, it's our computer. But she has complete access to it. She has passwords to everything. Nothing hidden. I don't have a fake or a separate social media account. I don't have a Facebook that she doesn't know about. I don't have a Twitter handle or Snapchat or Instagram that she doesn't know about. She knows everything I have. Is it that same way in your relationship? Does your spouse know all about you? Do you know about your spouse? Have you given up all that privacy? Because if you haven't, stay single. Stay single. Please do everybody a favor and stay single if you're not willing to give that up. You know, one of the things that men, and I'm picking on men today, but I'm going to get the women, don't worry, later. Maybe not today, but as we continue this series. I realize that when I say I give everything to my wife, that at times, I'm like most guys, I don't always give her my, my deepest, innermost feelings. How many men can relate to that? We kind of hold on to that. And we just, well, I'll, I'll give her this much. But I'm not going to cry and I'm not going to, you know, break down in front of her. You know, what kind of man is that? Sometimes we can have that image about ourselves mistakenly. And uh, how many men know that's true? You, you don't have to shake your head because I know it's true. And I, I'm, I'm looking at some really tough looking men out here. But I know deep down inside you're a bunch of wimps. Okay. And, and your woman can make you cry in a heartbeat if she wanted to. And, uh, but we have to work on that, man. We have to work about exposing our innermost to our spouse. If there's somebody that knows you more than anybody else in this world, it's your spouse. It's not your mama. It's not your child. It's your spouse. They should know you. In fact, they know what buttons to press to get you red hot, angry. And they know what buttons to press to... Come on, honey. It's romantic. It's romance time. You know, they know what buttons to press because uh, they know you best. Amen? Amen? That's what a relationship blessing looks like. Now, I've talked to you about those three, three uh, things that we give up. Amen? Three things that we give up. And um, now, I, I, well, let me, let me read this scripture here. John chapter 15 and verse 15, it says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Is your, let me ask you a question this afternoon. Is your spouse, do you consider your spouse your best friend? Yes. If you do, you are in a relationship blessing. Right now, if your spouse is your best friend, Amen. that is a relationship blessing. Now, if, if you're here not able to say that, that yes, my spouse is my best friend, there's some work to do. That's really what it should operate like. Your spouse should be your best friend Amen. because they know you better than anybody else. Amen? Amen. 
See, when we're in covenant, everything is known, nothing is hidden. I feel bad for those that have to hide things. I really do. They have to say a lie just to cover up the other lie that they said the day before. I feel bad for you if that's anybody here. Everything is exposed in a covenant relationship, amen? Nothing is hidden. You want to know why affairs happened? Because, number one, they weren't in covenant relationship. And, and you become, instead of being that best friend to your, to your spouse, you become a best friend to somebody else, a coworker, um, somebody else that you meet. And, and then all of a sudden you open up to them. And you begin to tell them, well, you know, my husband is this and that, or my wife is just not, you know, like this. And, and then, of course, they get the sympathy ear going. You got somebody that can sympathize now. Oh, well, come over here. Let me make you feel a little bit better. Right? And that's exactly how affairs begin when you open up to somebody that you were never to open up to. Amen. Be careful with that, spouses. Guard your relationship. There, there's a time and a place for, for that, and it's not with anybody else, especially of the opposite sex. You don't ever discuss your marriage problems, females, with another male. Um, Pastor Rick and Anna will provide you biblical counseling anytime you need it. We will always be together if we, if we ever provide biblical counseling. I will never be alone one-on-one with a female to discuss any marital problems or any counseling. That's just my rule. And so know that, but um, at the same time, guard your marriage, guard your spouse, your relationship, your covenant that you have with them. Amen? Amen. Our hearts should be wide open to our spouse. I'm going to read to you the um, scripture found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses, it's uh, quite a few scriptures here, verses 22 through 33. I don't believe I have it on the outline. Uh, Yeah, look, there it is. It's on the screen. And this really is the textbook scripture or scriptures for a marriage, for a a relationship uh, that's founded in God's word. And I'm going to start with verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be there to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might ha- sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body, verse 31, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Ooh, right there. I touched on, on, on a few good points there. We don't have time to get into all of that. But what I do want to pick up from that 
is that uh, there are responsibilities that we pick up in a covenant relationship as we get um, closer here to finishing up. Point number one, I have three quick points on responsibilities that we pick up in a godly relationship. Number one, we love unconditionally. Say that with me. Love unconditionally. What does that mean? It means that you don't love them just because what they gave you, how nice they are to you. You love them unconditionally. You choose to love them just as Christ loved you unconditionally. He brought you out, the Bible says, of the deep miry clay where your sins were, the lifestyle that you may have been living. He brought you out of that. He didn't look at that and say, oh, forget it. She's not worth my time or he's not worth my time. He didn't say that. He said, I love you, my child. I love you, my daughter. I love you, my son. Come and rejoice with me. Live a life filled with blessings. And so here, this, this marriage thing that we're talking about, this relationship blessing, we love unconditionally. Well, Pastor Rick, you don't know how my wife gets that one time a month. She just becomes... Believe me, I've heard people tell me that. It's like, it doesn't matter. You are to love your spouse unconditionally. Men, do you know sometimes when you're sitting down watching Monday Night Football and you're ignoring your spouse and all she wants is your quality time, your attention, you're doing the same thing to her. You're disrespecting her, not showing her time. The Bible says we have to love unconditionally. Well, not right now, honey, not right now, later. Um, and, and, and what's going to happen? She's going to get angry at you, then you're going to get angry at her, and, and, and it all goes sideways. We have to learn to love unconditionally. Do they deserve it all the time? No. But you didn't either. God could have said no to you, and he didn't. He said, I love you. I love you. Number two, honor respectfully. Say that with me. Honor, honor respectfully. respectfully. And this is for the women. One of the things that men have to have, men require this, is respect. And all the men said, amen. I don't care what man is here today. Um, when you get disrespected, that's as bad as it gets right there. And when your spouse disrespects you, it doesn't get worse than that. Amen. A man values that, ladies. A man values respect. Always respect your man. You may not agree with him in that moment. But respect him nonetheless. You can always hassle it out later behind closed doors. But do not ever disrespect him in front of other people. Wow. You know how many times I see that? Couples arguing. And it always happens at Walmart. Why is that at Walmart? People always disrespecting each other at Walmart. And it's like, oh man, these people need serious marriage counseling. And, and the woman is going off on her husband, yelling at her husband. And you could just see he's just biting his tongue because when they get home, oh, God only knows what's going to happen, right? But please, women, don't disrespect your husband. That's what that scripture was talking about prior that I was reading. It didn't say women love your husbands like it told the men to love your wives. It says women respect your husbands. Yes. That's how we feel loved. When our spouse is respecting us. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. So learn to, to respect each other. Honor respectfully. I'm putting a value on my marriage is what you're really saying to your spouse. And if I can have the worship team come up as we close, uh, get ready to close. Let me read a scripture to you. First Peter 3, 
Verses 5 through 7 says the following, For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, women, it's not saying you are to call your husband Lord. That's not what the scripture is saying. So please, let's toss that out. Men, don't go home and say, see, it says in the word, you are to call me Lord. No. It's not what it says. But I'm focusing here on the word submitted. Where it said they submitted themselves to their own husbands. Submission is the Greek word to put yourself under something. It's a covering. Much like an umbrella. When you walk out in the rain, it covers you. It protects you. A covering is for your protection. A covering protects you from things that will hurt you. Amen? Amen. Your husband is a covering for you, women. And also, men, your your wife is also a covering for you. Did you know that in a healthy relationship, we must have a covering over our lives. Often, too many times, people use this word submission to rule over and domineer over their spouse. That was never the way this scripture was intended. How many know that there are people that in days of old, they would take that scripture and twist it to domineer over their wife? Um, nowadays, we, marriages just don't function like that anymore. You know, it's rare when you see that nowadays, but that was definitely old school. But, but oftentimes that scripture would get so twisted, a man would make a slave out of his wife. Women aren't meant to be slaves. They're your spouse to love, to live life with you, to provide a covering for you. Amen? Amen. And vice versa. So the third point is submit mutually. Say submit mutually. Can I just tell you, you don't have to be right all the time. You don't have to be right all the time. You can just say, okay, I'm going to zip it. And I know they're wrong, but I'm going to let them say what they're saying, right? Isn't that how you do it anyways? Hopefully, you, you, can, you can submit. That's really submitting and saying, that's all right. Here's the way I look at it. At the end of the day or in a year from now, is that really going to matter whether you correct that story or not? No. But if you try to correct them and show disrespect to them, that may cause a whole nother issue that could affect you a year from now. But rather, if you just choose to say, ah, it's no big deal, I I submit to that. Now, we have to submit mutually. When you submit mutually, relationship blessings begin to flow in your marriage and in your relationships. If you are contemplating dating someone or going out and seeing someone, but they're not a person that is going to submit or, or be loving in that way, don't waste your time on them. Don't waste your time on them. We were created differently. Each of us as spouses, respect your spouse. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me as we close this afternoon? 
Please, what I'm trying to tell you today is we need to learn to yield to one another. Don't insist on always being right. It's not worth it in the long run. It's not worth it. I'd rather lose the battle now and win the war. Amen? How many are with me? For long-term, long long-term longevity. That's what I want. I, I want to see successful marriages. I want to see blessed, healthy relationships. Why don't you bow your heads with me this afternoon? Father, this afternoon, we just want to thank you for your word. We thank you that you're reminding us today of what a healthy relationship looks like. And Lord, maybe we're here today and we haven't been living that. Maybe I want that, Lord. Uh, you may be here today and you desire that in your life. And I know this, that God Almighty sees that desire in your heart. And you just keep pursuing Him. Pursue God. Pursue Him with all you have, with all your desire. And He will give you, the Bible says, the desires of your heart. But the Bible says this first, seek Him first and His righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. I'm talking about healthy relationships, a blessed relationship with your spouse, with your children, with your family. And it happens when you seek Him first and His righteousness. So this afternoon, I want to just, I just want to pray for every marriage here today. If your spouse is here, join hands with them right now. And if they're not here, just picture them right now in your mind. Picture your spouse right now those that may have passed on, just picture them right now in your mind. And first of all, we thank God for that spouse, Lord. We thank God for them. We thank God for blessing our life. We thank God that we can be in covenant together. And Lord, what a wonderful, wonderful person you put in my life. Thank you for my wife, Anna. I am blessed beyond measure, Lord. I thank you. Now I pray, God, that I would be the best husband to her that I could possibly be. And I pray that everyone here, that they would be the best spouse they could possibly be. That they would just go on to amaze their spouse. And that their spouse would just look back and say, wow, I won the lotto. I won the lotto with this man, with this woman. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each one here today. I pray let them grow with mutual respect for one another. Let them grow with love for one another. Let their blessings flow in their relationship that their children and grandchildren will see it and that they would live long and happy lives in you, Lord. We pray that in the name of Jesus, Father, for every couple here today. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And now I'll let you go with our priestly blessing for today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Yes. In Jesus' name. Church, God bless you. Have a great Sunday. And we'll see you next week. God bless you or during the week.